All right, church family, he is risen. He is risen indeed, right? Today we are gathering with billions, I mean billions with a B, billions of believers in Jesus Christ all around the world to celebrate the most important moment in human history, the moment that the stone was rolled away, the day that light broke into the darkness of the grave, the day that Jesus' dead heart began to beat again, the day that his life came up from the grave. This is Resurrection Sunday. Can we celebrate it together? Yeah. Right. Amen. Guys, it, is, uh, it truly is a blessing to be gathered with the entire church family today. Like I look out here and I see all these people, souls that the Lord Jesus gave his life for. And it is uh, a joy to be gathered with you today. I am, um, you know, as I think about this, I, I know that the majority of people who are here today, I know that you call UBC home. I know that you're saved, you're excited about the resurrection, that's why you're cheering like crazy. However, I also know that there are some of you who are here for other reasons. Uh, some of you are here today because you saw all the cars at Bales Arena and you thought to yourself, there must be a basketball tournament. I don't want to miss it. Surprise, here we are, you're having church, right? Some of you guys are, uh, some of you guys are here today because um, mama and grandma told you, you got to come to church with me on Easter Sunday if you want to get Easter lunch. So you're uh, looking forward to Easter lunch, right? Some of you guys are here today because, you know, so you, this is just something that we do in our American cultural kind of holidays. Maybe that's why you're here. Others of you who are here today, um, maybe just a, a friend invited you, and this may be the first time you've ever been to church or the first time that you've been to a church service in a very long time. Listen, I know that church services can sometimes be the place where people feel like they don't belong. I, if that's you, you know, I, I don't, you know, sometimes I don't blame you. We come into church on Easter Sunday, everybody's all dressed up real fancy in their Sunday best, right? And you might be thinking to yourself, I'm not really a dressy person. Like, I, how do I fit in with all these people? You, you might be here today and you might be thinking, you know, um, whenever I come to church, I feel guilty. You can, you're reminded of struggles that you may have in your life. Um, some of you might be here and uh, you're not really sure what you believe about spiritual things. You're kind of interested, but you're not sure. Some of you might be here today and you might be thinking to yourself, even if there is a God, there's no way that he could ever love me. You don't know what I've done. I want to tell you something. If you're wondering if he could love you because of what you've done, then you need to understand this. You need to understand what he did for you. There is nobody in this world who is so lost that they can't be found. There's, no, there's nobody in this world who's such a sinner that they're out of the reach of the Savior. There's, there's nobody in this world that's so broken that they can't be made beautiful by Christ. So that's what we're celebrating here this Easter Sunday. That's why we're here. If you are the type of person that feels out of place at church, I want you to hear this very clearly from me. You are 100% welcomed here. Church family, can we welcome all of our new guests today? Every single one. Everyone. You know, whether you're uh, joining us here in person or even if you're joining us online, uh, thank you for being here. I just wanted to take this opportunity to invite you to come back um, next Sunday. Uh, every year after Easter, for the past couple years, we've been doing this sermon series uh, called Asking for a Friend. And in that sermon series, what we try to do is we try to address questions that um, people sometimes hold in their hearts, but they're afraid to ask those questions out loud. So for the next three Sundays, we're going to be addressing questions like that. Next Sunday, we're going to be answering this question. Hey, um, what if I'm interested in Christianity, but I'm also open to evolution? 
right? We're going to be hitting that one next Sunday. On May 1st, we're going to be talking about this. Why would I want to connect to a church when so many Christian leaders keep failing? It's a decent question for you to ask and very relevant to our culture. On May 8th, we're going to be answering this question. Honest question. Uh, What if, I'm being honest, heaven just kind of sounds boring to me, right? Like, if that's you, we're gonna be addressing that question on May 8th. And for the, you know, I just wanna take this moment to invite you back. Whether you wanna join us again online or join, join us in person, we would love to have you. But if you've been coming to UBC for a while, then you know this. You know that we've been working our way straight through the New Testament book of Acts. Um, we have been making our way through Acts and we find ourselves now in chapter five. And so if you have your Bible, I wanna take you, ask you to take it out and open it up to Acts chapter five. That's where we're gonna be today. Um, Really today, I just want to cover one simple verse with everybody today. One verse today. We're going to look at Acts chapter 5, verse 30. And as we look at this verse, here's the one idea that I want everybody to leave with today. On this Resurrection Sunday, here's what I want you to leave believing. I want you to know this. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus is not only reasonable, it is transformational. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus is not only reasonable, it is also transformational. That's what we're going to be talking about today, which means this. It means that you have good reason to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And it also means this. When you do believe it, it totally changes your life. It totally changes your life. Church family, if you've been changed by the grace of Jesus, can you just say amen this morning? Amen. Amen. We've been changed, right? So let's jump into Acts chapter 5. Before we do... Let me just remind you of where we've been so far. You know, in the book of Acts, it starts out actually with Jesus's resurrection. He appears to his disciples in his resurrected body. He tells them to go into Jerusalem and to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall on them. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will empower them to be his witnesses all throughout the world. So in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit does come, fills the apostles and the disciples, and they start doing ministry in Jesus's name. They're healing the sick. They are uh, performing signs and wonders. They're preaching the gospel. And the religious leaders of, of that day start to get really upset with the apostles. They start to get jealous of the crowd's affirmation of them. And uh, here's what ends up happening. What ends up happening is that these religious leaders, they uh, arrest the apostles multiple times. They put them on trial. And so when we pick up in chapter five, what's going on here is that these religious leaders have just said, hey, Peter, hey, apostles, let us remind you, we gave you a warning. Do not preach any further in Jesus' name. And what does Peter say to them in chapter 5? Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. And he keeps preaching the gospel, and he preaches the gospel straight to those who are holding him on trial. And in part of this message, he has a very straightforward statement about the resurrection. Let's read our one verse for today. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. Peter proclaims this. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. Guys, this is the foundational, essential message of Easter. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, was born into this world, lived a sinless life, never committed a sin, yet he was crucified on Calvary's hill. Not for any of the sins that he had ever committed because he didn't have any. What was he doing dying there like a sinner? He was dying in our place. He was paying for our sins. This is what we talked about on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we said this. We said, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just dying for sins in general. He was dying for our sins in particular. 
What that means is that Jesus Christ didn't just die for our sins, he died in our place. It should have been us on the cross. We should have been the ones bearing the wrath of God, yet Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary and he died and he took the wrath of God in our place and he was buried in a tomb. But three days later, three days later, as Peter says, what? God raised Jesus from the dead. Guys, all of Christianity hangs on whether or not that is true, right? Christmas, if I can say it this way, the coming of Christ at Christmas is important. The death of Christ on Good Friday is important. But if the resurrection of Christ didn't happen on Easter Sunday, then Christmas and Good Friday, they don't matter. However, if the resurrection did happen, then everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus taught matters. And the claims of Christianity are the most important truths that have ever been told to the world. So you're at a point today where you have to decide, is the teaching of Christianity true or is it not? Is Jesus a total liar? Is he a crazy man? Or is he truly Lord of all? That's the decision that you have to make today. C.S. Lewis uh, said this about Christianity. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important, right? Now, isn't that like a a stark truth to hear in our Christian kind of American culture where people are just kind of comfortable cultural Christians? Christianity's not everything to them, but it's also nothing to them, it's just moderate. Listen, either Jesus Christ was a, a liar or he was a lunatic, or he's Lord, and you've got to make up your mind what you believe about Jesus. Belief in the resurrection, I want to show you today, is not only reasonable, it is also transformational. I believe that God has you here on purpose, for a purpose, and that purpose is to hear the message of the resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus, not only reasonable, but transformational. I want to talk to you first about Jesus' resurrection being reasonable. Peter says in our one verse that the God of our fathers raised Jesus after you killed him. Now it's important for us to remember who is Peter talking to? Peter is in front of the Sanhedrin, which is like 70 of the most powerful Jewish leaders of the day. Many of them are what we would call Sadducees. Sadducees were influential leaders, but one of the things that was uh, distinct about their beliefs was that these Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so Sadducees rejected the resurrection. Now, some of you may be here today, and in some ways you might identify with the Sadducees. You might be similar. You might be here at church today, but you're not so sure that you can embrace the resurrection. If that's you, I just want to take the first few minutes of this message, and I just want to talk to you uh, from my heart for a minute. Um, before we get too far into this, I just want to, what, I want to remind you of the basics. What is the basic kind of foundational event that happened on Easter Sunday? It is this. The basic claim of the resurrection is that the stone was rolled away from the grave and that Jesus rose from death. Here's the important truth that I want you to understand this morning. The stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that people could see in. 
You with me on this? The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so people could see in. Who was Jesus? Jesus was the son of God. Jesus created the world. He made the rocks. He made the stones that were over his grave. Later in the gospel accounts, we'll read that Jesus could move between walls. We would read that Jesus can uh, appear someplace, then disappear and reappear another way, another area. It was, the, the stone was not gonna hold him in. The, the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that people could see in. God was allowing the disciples to have evidence of the, rex, of the resurrection. God was allowing the disciples to see good reasons to believe that Jesus was alive. And I believe that God wants to give you good reasons in your heart today to believe that Jesus is alive. Three reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So I wanna share them with you. There's more than three, way more than three. I just wanna cover three of the most important for you this morning. If you're a skeptic, here are three reasons why you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus. The first reason is this. It's because of the reference to the eyewitnesses. It's because scripture references the eyewitness accounts. When you read the scriptures, it is obvious that the scriptures tell us that many people were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Um, you're talking about the, the ladies who went to the tomb, the Marys uh, that went and saw Jesus. We're talking about the two people on the road who walked with Jesus after his resurrection. We're talking about Peter and the rest of the apostles. If your Bible's still open to Acts 5, verse 32, Peter says very clearly, we are witnesses to these things, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would write these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. Peter, uh, Paul says this, talking of Jesus, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Why would Paul mention this? Why would he write this to the Corinthian church? Here's why. Because Paul is saying, hey, look, if you don't believe in me, if you don't believe me when I tell you that Jesus rose from the dead, then just go ask these 500 people who saw him. That's what he's saying. Now, you gotta remember, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, it had been about 20 years after the resurrection of Christ. That's why he says, hey, some of them have died, some of them have fallen asleep, but some of them are still alive today. Listen, if the apostles had made up the resurrection story, then they wouldn't be telling people to go talk to the eyewitnesses. You know why? Because there wouldn't be any, <laughs> right? There wouldn't be any. Their story would have totally fallen apart. But what ended up happening in church history? Their story didn't fall apart. It continued to be affirmed. The message of the gospel spread throughout the world and countless people believed in the gospel as the disciples turned the world upside down. One reason to believe in the resurrection is because of the scripture's reference to eyewitnesses. Here's a second reason. It's because no corpse was ever discovered. No corpse was ever discovered. After Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, the apostles were spreading the news about his resurrection and the power of the resurrection. The Jewish leaders and the Roman officials wanted to stop that message from going around. They tried to squelch the message of the apostles. You know what the easiest way would have been for them to shut down the message of the apostles? All they would have had to do is discover the corpse and bring it forward. Hey, behold, the corpse of your supposedly resurrected king. The message of Christianity would have ended right there, but nobody was ever produced. Nobody was ever discovered. It's reasonable to believe in the resurrection of Christ because his corpse was never discovered. Here's the third reason. Some say this, some are gonna say that the empty tomb uh, was there because the disciples stole his body and then lied about his resurrection. And that objection leads to this third point. 
It's reasonable to believe in the resurrection because the apostles lived and died for their belief and their message. They lived and died with belief in their message. I want to just share with you how each of the apostles lived and died after the resurrection of Christ. Peter preached the gospel around Jerusalem and Judea and was crucified upside down in AD 66. John led the church in and around Ephesus. The Roman emperor Domitian eventually exiled him to the island of Patmos where he died before, after writing the, Re, the book of Revelation. James, the son of Zebedee, preached in Jerusalem until he was beheaded by Herod Agrippa. The other James, son of Alphaeus, ministered in Syria where a historian named Josephus said that age 94, he was stoned, beaten, and died by being hit in the head with a club. Philip preached in North Africa, then in Asia Minor, and after leading the wife of a Roman proconsul to faith, that proconsul scourged him and then crucified him in AD 54. Matthew preached in Persia and then in Ethiopia, and he died there after being stabbed to death. Thaddeus took the gospel to the northern regions, north of Jerusalem, to the region of Turkey, where some reports say that he was crucified and others say that he was axed to death. Simon ministered in Europe and in Persia, and eventually he died by crucifixion. Thomas went to the area east of Syria and eventually all the way to India, where he was run through with spears and died. Bartholomew partnered with Thomas to take the gospel to India. Then he returned to preach in Armenia, to in uh, Ethiopia, and South Arabia, where one account says that he was crucified. Another account said that he was skinned alive and then beheaded. Andrew took the gospel to the areas we now know as Russia, Turkey, and Greece, where he too died by crucifixion. And Matthias, after replacing Judas as one of the apostles, he partnered with Andrew on his missionary trips and eventually was burned to death for his faith. Guys, this is how the apostles lived and died. Which of course begs the question, would people live and die like this for a lie? Would people live and die like that for a lie? Look, you know, uh, would you live and die like that if you had like the corpse of Jesus stored in your Maytag freezer in your garage? You know? What did they do? Hide the body and then just live and die and suffer like that? I don't think so. What would make them live and die for this message? What would make them live and die for it was that it was true. And they believed that it was the most important message for the whole world to hear. So to summarize all this, the apostles lived and died for their message. They appealed to the testimony of living eyewitnesses and no corpse was ever discovered. For all these reasons, belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is reasonable. It's reasonable. Amen. But what have we been saying all along? What's the point of this message? The big idea of this message is this. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus is not only reasonable, it is also transformational. And here's what we mean. When you meet the risen Christ, when you believe in him and his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, here's what happens. Resurrection becomes more than a historical event to be affirmed. Resurrection becomes a personal reality to be experienced. And if you've been made alive in Jesus and he's transformed your heart, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible says it this way. Romans 8 verse 11. 
The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Guys, listen. Jesus Christ didn't just rise from the dead to change history. He rose from the, from the dead in order to change us. Amen. When we think about Jesus, his resurrection isn't about giving second chances to good people. His resurrection is about, is about giving new life to dead people. He's raised us from the dead, spiritual deadness, and given us new life through his Holy Spirit. Now, why am I emphasizing the transformational power of the resurrection today as we're looking at Acts 5? Here's why. Because when we look at our one simple verse, Acts chapter 5, verse 30, we've got to remember who's preaching it, who's delivering the message. It's none, it's none other than the apostle Peter. Peter. Peter had been transformed by the resurrected Christ. I want us to remember three ways that Peter was transformed. If you know the story in the life of Peter, you're going to know these things. Some of you may be hearing them for the first time. But three ways that the apostle Peter was transformed. The first one was this. His fear was changed to power. His fear was changed to power. Remember the story of the night before Jesus' crucifixion? Jesus is taken into a room being put on trial by the Jewish leaders. Peter is hanging out outside in the courtyard. A little teenage girl comes up to him and says, uh, hey man, um, didn't I see you with Jesus? With Jesus, Peter says to this young girl, no, no. She says, now wait a minute, I'm pretty sure I saw you. And he says, no, no, it wasn't me. A third time she identifies Peter with Jesus and Peter swears this time and he promises that it wasn't him. In other words, in fear, Peter denied Christ. But a few months later, when we get to Acts chapter five, just a few months had passed. Peter, what's he doing here? Now he's boldly preaching the gospel. In chapter five, he's looking into the faces of the very same men who gave Jesus a mistrial and called for his crucifixion. And he's looking at these men and what is he saying? He's saying, you killed Jesus, but God raised him up. You did it. But God restored him. Listen, these guys had already arrested Peter. If you read the book of Acts, they'd already arrested him twice. Now he's, you know, being on trial here for the third time. And he's flat out preaching, right? He's not backing down. He's not timidly turning away. He's not shutting up. In other words, Peter's fear was replaced with Holy Spirit power. Peter was changed. Here's another way Peter was transformed. Peter's tra transformed in this sense. His failure was replaced with calling. His failure was replaced with calling. Again, that night before Jesus was crucified, he's sitting at the Last Supper with his apostles and he looks at his apostles and he says, some of you are gonna deny me. And Peter says, Lord, I'll never do it. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, before the rooster crows three times in the morning, you will have denied me three times. So what do we see? The events unfold in the courtyard. Peter denies his relationship with Christ three times in front of that teenage girl. And the scripture says at, th at that exact moment, the rooster crowed. And Peter went away and wept bitterly. He was ashamed because why? Because he had failed. But there's transforming power in the resurrected Christ. So after Jesus' resurrection... He comes and he meets with Peter and he talks with him. And I imagine Peter meeting Jesus after the resurrection and Peter is ashamed, head held low, embarrassed of what he did. And, and Jesus comes to Peter and he asks him this pointed question. He says, Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter says, yes. And a second time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I do. And a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And a third time, Peter affirms his love for Jesus. And Jesus says, well, Peter, then if you love me, here's your calling. Go feed my sheep. And that same Peter who had failed, he became a leader among the apostles. And for the rest of his life, until he was crucified upside down, he lived his life proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Peter's failure was replaced with a calling. And here's the third way we see the transformation of Peter. Peter's future was filled with hope. Peter's future was filled with hope. Again, after Peter um, met the resurrected Christ, he became a leader in the church. He ended up writing two letters that we hold in our New Testament right now, the letter of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in one of those letters, Peter writes these words, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter is writing these words to a church that was being persecuted by the Roman Empire. And just like Peter saw Jesus be persecuted, and then rise again, Peter's saying, look, stay the course. You may be persecuted for your faith, but there's an imperishable inheritance waiting for you in heaven. It's going to be worth it all. This is why Peter and the rest of the apostles could suffer the types of deaths that they did because they knew they had the hope of heaven and their imperishable inheritance waiting for them there. How does Peter have that hope? What provided that hope to him? It was by being born again through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's future was filled with hope. His failure was replaced with calling. His fear was changed to power. How? By the resurrected Christ. By the resurrected Christ. So here are my two questions for everybody in the room today. Everybody, as I want to give you two questions to consider. Question number one for you. Do you see the good reason to believe in Jesus' resurrection? Do you see the good reason to believe in Jesus' resurrection? Today, I've given you several good reasons to believe in Jesus' resurrection. There's more that I could share with you. Full books have been written about this. But, but some of you hear these reasons, and in the back of your mind, there's still these questions like, well, yeah, but what about this? Or, yeah, how about that thing? And there's these other questions that are in your mind. And here's the way you approach faith. You think to yourself, I would, I, it's, it's almost like there's a zero or there's a one. You can either be, you know, fully believing, having all your questions answered, and that's a one, or you can have, you know, if you still have remaining questions, you're still in zero. And you think, before I can cross the line of faith, I've got to get all my questions answered. It's zero or one. Here's what I want to say to you. Faith is not like a zero to one scale. Faith is more like a zero to ten scale. Faith is where you may still have many unanswered questions about Jesus, but you ask questions with an open heart, and as the Lord reveals those answers to you and another notch gets checked along the way, eventually you come to realize this. You don't need 10 out of 10 questions answered before you can cross the line of faith. You just need enough reasons for faith to be reasonable to you. And I want to remind you today, even the Apostle Thomas, who we mentioned earlier, even the Apostle Thomas still had doubts. Jesus didn't discard him. 
A man in the Bible came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus did not condemn that man. You can come to Jesus today in faith, even still having unanswered questions, but here's what I believe. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. I believe that if you search with all your heart, the Lord will show you the answers to your questions, and as time goes by, your faith will increase. So believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely reasonable for you to do so. But again, what's the big idea of the message today? The big idea of the message is this. The resurrection of Jesus is not only reasonable, it is also transformational. So here's the second question, more personal question for everybody here. Do you need the transformational power of Jesus' resurrection in your life today? Do you need the transformational power of Jesus' life in your, resur- in your life today? Um, here's, here's the thing. When we look at Peter... His fear was changed to power. His failure was replaced with a calling. His future was filled with hope. Guys, what changed him? What changed Peter? What changed him was that he met the resurrected Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are are like Peter. You are plagued by fear day in and day out. Anxiety, worry. You have this uneasy sense inside of you that, that, that you're, something's not quite fulfilled, that you're, there's meaningless in your, in your life, and, and it really just enslaves you. I want you to know the resurrection life of Jesus can cast away all fear in your life. Some of you have had massive failures in your life. Some of you have had marital failures. Some of you had had parenting failures. Some of you have had Failures that you would never want anybody to know. Some of you have addiction failures that you keep going back to. Some of you have have moral failures one after another and you think of yourself as a, a sinner that could never be saved. I want to say it again. There is nobody so lost that they can't be found by Jesus. There is, there is nobody that is such a sinner that they can't be saved by the great Savior. He can save to the uttermost and he can save you. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you don't have to pay for them forever in hell. That's why he died for you. And God raised him to new life and that same spirit that raised Jesus to new life can raise your life to new life. You can have new life in Jesus Christ. Some of you live today with absolutely no hope of eternal life. You live kind of with this fear of death. You're just existing day by day and if you're honest, you're just trying to going, you're going through existence and all you're trying to do is not die. And we can kind of chuckle about it now, but man, how many people just live with the idea of just all they want to do is not die? Because here's why. They have no hope for eternity. Listen, one thing that everybody in this room must come to grips with is that death is inevitable. For the believer, death is coming our way unless the Lord Jesus returns. For everybody in this room, death is coming our way. COVID has taught us that life is short, that health is not certain. A lot of the things that have, that have happened in our culture over the past couple years have just caused us to live with this reality that at any moment, war could break out, life could be taken, injustice happens. Guys, death is inevitable. And I'll say this, only a fool fails to prepare for the inevitable. Only a fool So, prepare for the inevitable. 
One day you and I are gonna die and we need to be prepared when that last day comes. So how are you prepared? How do you get prepared to meet God when your inevitable death day comes? The Bible tells us very clearly, Romans chapter 10, verse nine and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God did what? Raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you want the transformational power of the resurrection in your life, then I wanna tell you this morning, it is yours for the taking. It is yours for the taking. Anyone here can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And here's how you have it. First, admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner. Everybody in this room knows that you're a sinner. But what we don't understand is that our sin separates us from a holy God. So we must start by admitting that we are indeed sinners. We also must believe that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for sinners like you and I. That he, he, he died to pay the price for our sins. And after three days, God overcame sin and death and raised him from the grave. So admit that you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that God raised him from the dead. And last, confess with your mouth. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Make it a public profession that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, the scripture says, you will be saved. You never have to wonder, what's gonna happen to me after I die? You never have to live with another meaningless moment on this life. Your eternity can be secure. Your purpose on this earth can be sure. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Today, 